I wonder if you've ever had the experience of being in a work environment and having someone come to work who is very obviously too ill to be there, right? Maybe you've been there and somebody walks in and you're like, hey, it's good to see you, and they are just like red nose, runny nose, coughing up a storm, like sweaty, clammy, and you're thinking, I really wish you weren't here right now, right? Um, I, I, um, maybe you've been that person who showed up to work when you weren't supposed to. You don't have to raise your hand if you've done this, but you know, let's say that maybe I have in theory. Uh, and, and, and maybe you know um, how uncomfortable it is uh, to say, ah, oh, you know what, like I'd, I'd like to stay home, but I got all this stuff I got to get done. And, or, or maybe you've had the experience of saying, hey, if I don't go to work, then I don't get paid. Then the bills don't get paid. Um, I, I got to go there. That experience of um, being around someone very obviously too sick to be present um, is not dissimilar to what happens uh, in the ancient world uh, around this topic of uncleanliness. Uh, And the experience of saying, hey, boy, I really need to get to work because I got to pay the bills is not dissimilar to the experience it might have been like to be someone who was marked as unclean in the ancient world. So, um, big picture, uh, the, the, the Torah has all kinds of regulations for what makes you ritually impure. And those regulations can be things like foods you can eat or not eat, but often they are external things as well. So if you have a skin disease, if you have a rash that's visible, um, that makes you unclean. And if you touch someone else, they become unclean. If, in the Torah, if you're bleeding, right, if you, if you cut your arm and you've got an open wound, um, then you are unclean. And if anybody touches that, they become unclean. Um, by the way, this is a particular challenge for women, right, who have an experience of bleeding every month. Um, they are made unclean every single month by that in the Torah. Um, this particular woman has had that experience for 12 years. If you touch a dead body in the Torah, uh, you become unclean. And uh, sometimes you have to do that, right? Someone you love dies and you have to help bury the body. Sometimes um, someone you love dies and you want to mourn them and you're sad, and, and that makes you unclean. In Torah, being unclean doesn't necessarily equate with sin, but it does mean there's a sense of separation between you and God. And the idea is that all of those um, unclean conditions connect somehow to the idea of death. Okay, so obviously skin disease, we can see how disease connects to unhealthiness and death. Bleeding, um, we can see how that connects to death. And obviously dead bodies are, well, they're dead, right? So they connect as well. And, and, and there's this concept in Torah that life is kind of a fragile thing. Uh, and that uh, if we're not careful to protect it and preserve it, um, death might be contagious. By the way, that's not wildly different from our experience, is it? I mean, we recognize that life is kind of a fragile thing. Uh, We recognize that all too often people that we love are taken from us or affected by illness or or loss or, I mean, all kinds of things happen in our lives to remind us on a regular basis just how fragile our life is, just how contagious death and the things of death seem to be. 
Now, in Scripture, God is life, right? God is holiness. And so, if you are um, afflicted by uncleanliness, by the things of death, you can't come into the presence of God. Um, But there is one interesting caveat to that in the Torah, and it shows up in Exodus chapter 30, and we just read it this morning. Um, There's one thing in the Torah that doesn't make you unclean, it makes you clean. It's this anointing oil, right? This is super interesting. in the, in the Torah, this is the section where God is explaining to Moses how to build um, uh, the, what ultimately becomes the temple, but right now is the tabernacle, the, the sort of portable house of God. It's a tent structure. And as God's instructing Moses how to build it, He has a lot of particular things He has to make, like the Ark of the Covenant, that are going to be very important structures. He also has to set aside some people to work in the temple. There's going to be the priests. And then something has to happen to make these people who are ordinary become special and holy so they can be in the presence of God. Um, Something has to happen to make these people that are maybe not unclean, but still possessed of fragile life to be something more so they can enter into God's presence. And so God says, hey, let's make some oil. We're going to make it real special, special oil. And we're going to anoint things with it. We're going to anoint stuff with it. We're going to anoint people with it. And when we anoint them, when, it just means you put it on them, right? When we put it on them, um, they become holy. They become sort of a contagious kind of clean. This is, um, by the way, a little preview for what's going to happen with Jesus. Um, we, we often talk about Jesus being the Messiah or the Christ. Messiah is a Hebrew word. Christ is a Greek word. They're the same word. Um, Anybody know for bonus Jesus points today what Messiah or Christ means um, in English? Oh, messenger is really close. Um, I'll give you a hint. It's, we just talked about it. And it has to do with the oil. It, it means anointed one. It means anointed one. Uh, in the Hebrew Bible, there were three kinds of people that could be anointed, priests, prophets, and kings, Right? And they're anointed to say, hey, we're going to make you especially sacred to God. Um, What happens when we move beyond just the oil of anointing to the person who is anointed? What happens when we go from the one who is made better by some liquid on their head to the one who is holiness himself, right? When the anointed one comes, his work, his life kind of works exactly as you would expect it's stronger than death, right? It's stronger than uncleanliness. Jesus is contagious, and His cleanliness is contagious. Okay, so we got two stories. Um, We got to talk about the middle story first, because the middle story is going to make sense of the one around it, okay? Middle story is the story of this woman who's been bleeding for uh, 12 years, and there's so many interesting, weird things that happen in this story. Um, Here's the first one that's weird. Did you notice that Jesus doesn't try to do this miracle? It's like an, like an uncontrollable impulse, right? I mean, the lady touches his cloak, and he says, I felt power go out of me. He doesn't even know who did it. It's always weird in, the, in these moments in the Bible where Jesus doesn't know something. And I'm always wondering, is he like pretending not to know? Like, he knows, right? Um, but this idea that Jesus sort of spontaneously sends out cleanliness to people of faith 
is a really powerful concept for me. Jesus doesn't say, oh, I'm going to judge whether you are worthy. Let me me think about it for a few minutes. I'm going to assess all the good and bad you've done in life. I'm going to put them on a cosmic scale. And if your good outweighs your bad, then I guess I'll make you clean. No, He just says, oh, you have faith? It just just happens, right? It just comes out of me. Um, When you touch the anointed one, you become clean. Um, There are... Um, a couple of things that are really significant that happen in this story with the woman. Um, but I think most significant is this idea that she is pursuing Jesus, right? What makes this story special, what makes it powerful is that she has faith in Jesus. She seeks Him out. She goes to Him, and she believes He can make things better. Now, I think there are two things that we can do wrong in the Christian life. One of those is that we can say, hey, I'm going to get my life in order, I'm going to make myself clean, then I'll go to Jesus. Um, The other thing that we can do is we say, um, wow, I I would like to be a Christian, but I really like some of my uncleanliness. I'm not sure I want to stop bleeding bleeding just yet. I'm just going to hold on to some of my stuff. And this woman, with this incredible courage and incredible faith, says, no, like I believe it's just about getting close enough to Jesus to be made well. There's a group that does skits um, that I love called One Time Blind. And uh, One Time Blind has a skit about uh, a woman meeting Jesus carrying her trash. And I want to share that skit with you this morning. Hey, Kat. Jesus. Oh, it's been a long time. Yeah, um, I didn't expect to see you here. Whoa, what's that smell? Smell? Oh, um, well, that's my trash. I just, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Oh, well... Is that why you've been avoiding me? Avoiding you? I, I, I haven't really been avoiding you. I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to get close to you. I mean, I, I just, I don't want you to smell it. I'll take it, Kat. Come oh, on. no, 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 no. That's okay. I mean, I made it. It's my trash. You know, I should carry it. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, but Kat, I mean, this is my job. Right. I take people's trash. That's what I do, so. Right, okay. Well, maybe I could go and just clean it up a little bit, you know, and then I'll just, I'll come back. No, Kat, I don't need you to do that. Um, okay, I'll take it from you so you don't have to carry the weight. Oh, well, I... Come on. Uh, oh, just, just hand it over. Uh, all, right? all right? Let go. Let go. Yes, yeah? Just, yeah? Yeah? Uh, How's that feel? Weird. Wow. That is crazy. Right. Just loosen it up a Whoa, little bit. check that out. I don't know if I've ever moved like that before. Well, I mean, that is crazy. I just, I feel so free and alive. I, it's I mean, the lack of trash. Whoa, I just, it's just like... This is the craziest feeling I have ever had. I just, it's like something's missing, you know? Well, I just, um, get used I, to feeling free, because that's yeah, what you are now. Right, okay. Uh, what okay. are you doing? I just, I gotta get one thing, okay? Hold on just a minute Get here. one thing? No, 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 don't open the bag! Jesus, thank you so much for your sacrifice. I really appreciate all that you've done for me. What's going on here, Kat? What? Look, I'll take the trash, but you need to put that back. Oh, um, no, actually, um, that's okay. This is mine. It's my piece. I want to keep it. No, it goes right back in the bag, so I'll help you. Here, no, 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 put no, no, it no. here. No, Jesus, I-, I need to remind myself not to make more trash. I mean, that just Kathleen, makes sense. I will remind you not to make more trash, oh, okay? Oh, well, Jesus, you know... That's what I do. I mean, we'll walk together. I know, but I should be in a better place than this by now. I mean, I just... I'm constantly doing things wrong, you know, and I, I'm just, I'm constantly letting you down. No, the only thing that's letting me down is, is, is you taking the stuff back. Okay. Look, I took care of the trash before you even created it. Oh. 
look, don't you see what's happening? Every time I take your trash away, you come back and, and take another piece. And the more pieces you carry around, the more trash you attract. It reeks. Cat. When I look at you, I don't see your sin. I see you, the real you, the free you. This is what I'm fighting for. This is what I died for. Jesus, I'm sorry. I just, please forgive me. I've already forgiven you. The question is, will you forgive yourself? I think what makes the woman with the bleed so striking is she says, hey, um, whatever my old life was, there's nothing in it that I want compared to wanting Jesus, compared to getting close to Jesus. And I think sometimes um, we say, yeah, I really would like um, to be closer to Jesus, but not at the expense of my trash, right? I've just got some trash that I'd, be, I'd love to get rid of. Some of it I really kind of like. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel safe. It's just familiar. It feels like when it's gone, something is missing. So I think we're called today um, to reflect on what it means to be Christians who will not continue to do those things that lead to death. Christians who will let go of whatever we have to let go of so we can struggle to reach Jesus and find life. And here's the good news. Whatever it is that you're struggling to let go of, whatever it is um, that you think you really need in addition to Jesus, if you just leave it behind for a moment, just the fringe of His cloak is enough to make you clean. Okay, so we have this middle story about uncleanliness and willingness to give up everything so we can be made clean by Jesus and a struggle to reach Him. And then we have this main story about this little girl who's sick and who dies. Uh, and in this story, we're supposed to recognize, first of all, this is a story about cleanliness, right? That, that Jesus very intentionally, when He heals this little girl, takes her by the hand. Why did He take her by the hand? Because His cleanliness, His life is contagious. Uh, and so, He's not afraid of being made unclean by her, even any more than He was afraid of being made unclean by the bleeding woman. He will make them clean. But also we have this incredibly powerful concept that, that Jesus doesn't just rescue those people that are struggling to reach Him. See, there will be um, some point in our lives, absolutely, where we are called to struggle for Jesus and to reach Him and to find that reward of closeness with Him. But the first time Jesus touches us, the first time Jesus makes us clean, it wasn't because we wanted to be with Him. It was because He wanted to be with you. When we celebrate the sacrament of baptism, we are reminded that God touches us and makes us clean and washes us before we could ever know who He is or what He's done for us. We're told in Ephesians chapter 2 that while we were yet dead in our sins, God, who is rich in mercy, made us clean. He, he forgave our sins, and He made us righteous. He made us in Christ. That even the, the, the core message of the story of Scripture, right, is this simple idea that, that God um, was not willing to leave us in our mess, but He left heaven and came to earth to touch us and bring us back to heaven with Him. One of the 
two challenges of preaching. I, I'm sure there's a lot, but my two biggest challenges of preaching, one is there's always so much to talk about, I've got to pick like one or two things. Um, the other challenge is um, coming up with an illustration. Right? Illustrations are hard because I'm not really interested in you just like knowing things or knowing about Jesus. I want you to like experience truth and meet Jesus. And stories are usually where that happens, right? And sometimes there's a great joke or there's a great illustration from life or there's um, something from a movie that really pulls things together. This is one of those moments where it's hard to imagine a better illustration than exactly what Jesus does. That what Jesus does is the perfect illustration of who God is and why He came to earth. Uh, so, I'm not going to reread this story. I'm going to just um, share a little clip from The Chosen um, that's a video of this exact moment in the story of Scripture um, because I want you to see it so that you can experience it and not just know about it. Will you play that clip for me? <laughs> Michal. Where were you? I was finding this mess. She is dead and you were gone. Why would you just leave us? Trust me. Please trust me and trust him. What? For what? Please. I know. No. room, please listen to me carefully. Simon, James, John, Jairus, Michal, and Nili. None of you are to say a word about this to anyone under any circumstances. Do I make myself clear? No one. Not even to the others. Yes, Rabbi. Yes, Rabbi. Yes, Rabbi. There's not yet time for the commotion that will result. None of you need the attention. Not all of it will be good. Whatever you command, we shall do. Nili, you must be hungry. <laughs> How can I thank you? 
don't understand what you did, but... You're welcome. Let's just get Neely something to eat first. Oh, wait. <laughs> Neely, come on. <laughs> Thank you. Three things uh, that stand out to me in this moment. The first is, apparently, after you wake up from being dead, you're very hungry. The second, um, it's never too late for us. That's what this story is about, right? It's the story is about, oh, well, you don't want to bother the teacher anymore. It's too late. Right? She's already died. There's nothing more that he can do. And Jesus says in our passage, don't be afraid, only believe. And then in this video when uh, the, the father comes in to the room where his wife is mourning over the body of their daughter, and she, I think, rightly says, how could you possibly leave us while our daughter was dying, that I would have to be here alone while our daughter died? And he says, trust me and trust him. And his wife says, what for? She's dead. Like, what's left to trust for? You will have a moment like this in your life. You will have some kind of terrible trial. I don't know what it's going to be. Maybe some of you have lived through this already. Maybe for some of you it's still in the future. I wish it wasn't true, but I'm absolutely certain that it is. I know that you will have a moment like this in your life. When you feel like the point at which God could save you has passed, and it's just too late. And I'm here to tell you that it hasn't. I'm here to tell you that every great story has a moment like this, a moment where it feels like the hero is hopeless and everyone around him is falling or failing and everything is lost and all the odds are against them. And at some point in that story, you're going to find yourself there. You're going to find yourself in the last charge of the Rohirrim. And as Captain America before Thanos in Endgame, you're going to find yourself as the lawyer and a few good men before um, risking your career to get the truth out. You're going to find yourself uh, in that moment where it seems like all hope has lost. And our charge as people of faith is to recognize it's never too late for Jesus to step in. And you might think that your great trial in your life has already come and you failed. But still, it's never too late for Jesus to step in. His life is so contagious. His cleanliness is so powerful that whatever has happened in your life, however irrevocable it seems, Jesus can make it new again. He doesn't do it at our timing. He doesn't do it at our convenience. There's no chance in the world that this father and mother would have said, hey, Jesus, it would be really cool if in a few thousand years people tell the story of our daughter, so let's let her die first and then heal her, right? It's not their timing. It's not how they imagined it to be, um, but it's just never too late. One last thing. Jesus ends 
by saying, don't tell anybody. At this point in the story, Jesus' purpose is spiritual life. Jesus' purpose is to bring people into a relationship with Him, to touch them so their hearts and their souls are made whole again. But one day, there will be a day when every daughter and every son hears the voice of the king say, little one, arise. And on that day, His will will be done. And we will discover that it turns out it's not life that's so fragile. Turns out death is the fragile thing. Death is the great illusion. Death isn't really death if we can wake up from it. The anointed one has come to make us alive, to make us clean, both now and eternally. His life is more contagious than death itself. And so, we are called to be a people today who struggle to touch Jesus, for He crossed heaven and earth to touch us. Thanks be to Him. Amen.